As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Wednesday. Which means uh, you get kind of like the angel and the devil on everyone's shoulders. Um, I think you know which is which, but just in case, the angel, Brandon Marianne Lee. Hi, hi, hi. Love it. And the other angel, Christopher Vaccaro. Uh, I thought you were going to call me the devil, Nando, but our friendship is too deep for you to do that. Yeah, what a friendship we have where we ask you to just put five names into a rundown and you didn't do it. I mean, when you when you send it over to me and I have to look at my emails later on in the day, I'm in the middle of drafts at night when you send, you know, these emails and that I'm not paying attention to, things get lost in the shuffle. And I apologize. There were text messages and that's all. All right, fine. You could just put, you can just add them as the show goes along in our shared Google Doc that you use. Yes, absolutely. We'll do <laughs> with your AOL <laughs> address. <laughs> Why don't they make AOL docs? Yeah, really? What's up yeah. with that? Anyway, um, so so today's show. Who's excited uh, for football? Yeah, let's do it. Go draft! I know I'm so draft week. It's it's here, people. Let's rock and roll. I just love um, where uh, it's like how many. I just want to say this, guys. uh, How many points a defense gives up to wide receivers this week, next week, and the following week? is not relevant. And I just want to make sure we say that out loud. Because if you give up more points to wide receivers because someone played the Chiefs, that needs to be notated. So don't just, you know, like this first few weeks, I mean, yes, we have a standard idea of like who's a good defense or who's a bad defense, but please use context and understand it's a small sample size. That's all I'm going to say, head and end, guys. That's a good point. It's like, you know, when, when uh, you know, you look up in week seven and it's like, oh, you know, team so-and-so is number one against the tight end. And then you go and look and it's like they played teams that don't even utilize like the Jaguars and the Bengals, like teams that just don't have a tight end. Right. It's like, well, wait, did they play the Chiefs with Kelsey? Did they play Waller? Did they play like you hear things like that all year long? And that's why I'll never be uh, one of those, you know, stat heads, uh, analytics analytics uh type i I, you know it's show me with my eyes um you know what i'm reading here yeah context all right let's talk about really quickly because the point of the show was we're each going to get five players really like this year uh vaquero did not participate so run down by brandon and nando you're welcome 
Um, but I, I just want to jump into some quick news. Um, the Le'Veon Bell stuff, I don't know how this is going to work with Baltimore at all. Um, I actually think the Le'Veon Bell is still a rumor. I don't think he's actually signed yet. I know they worked him out. I know Adam Schefter said they were expecting signed him to sign him. Signed him to the practice squad yesterday. He's signed officially? Yeah. All right. This is why you're here, man. This is good to have you. Okay. Um, Chris, in your draft, uh, you, you did high stakes. You're doing high stakes like every day, right? Correct. Is anyone afraid of Gus Edwards with Le'Veon Bell circling? Uh, you know, I, I honestly thought uh, maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago, before all the high stakes drafts got underway in New York and in Vegas here, that Gus Edwards would be a popular name on the board. Uh, but it seems like he's, you know, the forgotten man. You know, he he falls to the fifth round of a lot of these drafts. He's always somebody that, you know, I come around into those rounds and I'm like, geez, I, you know, I, I have two big backs already, but he'd really look nice in my flex uh, spot. I don't know if it's the Tyson Williams uh, love and hype train that that's coming in, uh, you know, in the fantasy circle that's pushing Gus Edwards a little further down than I thought. But um, I, I, I thought Gus Edwards would be, you know, about a round, round and a half more popular. I thought he'd come in right after the big 14 backs that we always talk about. But it seems like, you know, he's about the 20th uh, to tw- 22nd running back off the board. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised uh, with Gus Edwards uh, not being higher on the board. And, I mean, yeah, I, I, we said this last week, and I want to say it again. The team does need backups. Uh, you know, don't always freak out. Le'Veon Bell, uh, you know, two years ago was the 17th highest scoring running back last year, obviously, you know, borderline irrelevant. I, they need someone there because what happens if one of these dudes even just like tweaks an ankle a little bit and just has to miss the rest of a game? Now they're down to two. I, I think this is a, a good signing. I'm just shocked that once Latavius Murray got let go by the Saints that the Ravens weren't the team that jumped on that right away. I thought that was a perfect fit. Um, and then that was going to screw everybody up for their Gus Edwards shares. And their, you know, Tyson, uh, Tyson Williams has been moved up in the high stakes area to about mm, 105 to 120 overall, which is prime backup running back territory. We're talking, you know, the Tony, the Tony Pollards of the world, even some starters like Melvin Gordon um, and, and the Alexander Madison's the back, you know, backups like a Madison so the prime handcuffs that got moved up into that area, that's where Williams is now going in drafts these last couple nights. Latavius Murray going to Baltimore would have messed that all up. Uh, nobody's scared of Le'Veon Bell coming into town now. Um, and uh, that's what the outlook of the Ravens' backfield is. But Latavius Murray is that chip right now that everybody's waiting to see where he goes because he's going to screw up some backfield potentially. What if he goes to Atlanta? I, I really like Wayne Goldman there. I've been taking a ton of Wayne Goldman. Um, you know, I think he's a, a perfect uh, backup running back to take a shot on just because of my non-belief in Mike Davis. I'm very anti-Mike Davis. I won't have any shares of him. You don't get into that. No, like I, I haven't seen a lot of people talking badly about Mike Davis. Like a lot of people like Mike Davis a lot and they've read the tea leaves. You know, people, oh, don't worry about Goldman. Davis is going to be fine, you know. Why don't you like Mike Davis? Can you can you please start? I mean, I just don't think I, I, he's proven that he can be a, a lead back for, you know, this se- uh, full season. Uh, I think he's going to wear down. Um, and I don't think he's one of those backs that could stay on the field, you know, get 20 touches a game. I think they're going to need 
a, a reliable second running back in the, in that Falcons offense. It's a good offense. Goldman uh, can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think it'll probably be like a 70-30 split with the upside of if Davis misses some time, you got a nice, solid RB2 in Goldman who showed it last last year with the Giants that he could get the job done and, and be a real contributor uh, in the backfield. I would love Goldman if Mike Davis went down. So I throw him on my teams uh, right now. He's still getting, you still don't have to move him up too bad. I get him in that 150 to 165 range overall off the board as like a really solid RB5. I, I think Mike Davis is massive value because he never really went up in ADP, which surprised me. I mean, I, I thought he was going to start going up the boards because of Arthur Smith. I mean, because that guy doesn't care about the pass catching running backs, as we know, Derrick Henry. So uh, if they're just going to run in like a, a more traditional way, uh, why not Mike Davis? Like, I'm not saying that he's, you know, going to be a top three, top five guy. But in terms of like week to week productivity, um, it's hard to think that he won't be utilized. Uh, now, will he wear down, have injuries, whatnot? Maybe. I, I mean, it's just a matter of, how, you know, it, it. he's a... He's what a zero RB, he's a zero RB drafter's dream. Let's put it that way, right? Yeah, totally. So I guess it depends on what you're talking about. No, is it going to be top five? No. Uh, do I like Wayne Gallman for basically free? Yes. But I also think Mike Davis, where he was, I still continue to think because of Arthur Smith. I mean, it's very, it's very specific for me why I like Mike Davis. It's not because of Mike Davis. Does that make sense? Yes. You could, you're saying you could plug any running back in there. It doesn't have to be Mike Davis. Yeah. I Yeah. I, I do. I mean, and if, if Mike Davis uh, went down, I would want whoever goes in. And if that's Wayne Gallman, that's amazing. But if he's only doing pass catching Wayne Gallman, I don't think he's going to be as useful to that offense as someone who's going to be able to do it all. And I think that if Latavius Murray goes there, I think that becomes incredibly intriguing. I think he's a little bit more of that guy. Listen, Latavius Murray just might be washed, you know? He's been around a long be time. Uh, you know, for Sean Payton to be like, all right, listen, you know, Tony Jones was running ahead of him the whole time anyway, which is another really strong handcuff that I, I'm trying to get as many shares of now in drafts this past week. Would you rather have him or Tyson Williams? Uh, it's a great question because that is a lot of times in drafts who I'm deciding between putting. I, I, yeah. I usually get one of them. Um, but right now I'd say Tyson Williams, you know, run heavy, a more run heavy team. But either one is a you know, it steps into your starting lineup if the starter goes down. You know, they're one injury away from a Kamara or a Gus Edwards to having, you know, a solid RB2 on your lineup. So either one is a solid pick in fantasy right now. I'd go Tyson because of the scoring that I think will happen in Baltimore more than New Orleans. Brandon, are you playing this like as the better handcuff to have? Or are you playing this as the better someone to have who can maybe get you 10.1 points on a bye week? 10.1? Did you well, just I don't know. say that? Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just only above Nando the 10 would mark. Be, yeah. Only Nando would come up with a line like that. 10.1 points? Some yeah. Meetings. I mean, I think that... Yahoo well, because scoring. here's the other thing, too. Gus Edwards is not as elite, obviously, as Alvin Kamara. So if, if Gus Edwards starts faltering at all, they'll go to Tyson Williams a lot earlier. Right. Whereas if Kamara has a few bad games and nothing's happening. OK, yeah. like but this other guy has an opportunity to actually get in there in a little bit more of a way. So I think of them as like a handcuff uh, plus for Tyson and then just handcuff for the other one. I don't know if you two like maybe this is just a weird thing that I like this year I've done a bunch of drafts and I've ended up with the same core early. 
like usually I get my late guys, you know, like rounds 10 to 15, they all kind of look the same. This year, it's like the first three rounds are kind of chalky, whatever. And then in four, I go Kyle Pitts and five, I go Gus Edwards. And then, you know, I pick up like Henry Ruggs, like, you know, some more players like that. But I really thought, and I think Brandon, you mentioned this, that Mike Davis would have gone up as drafts neared and he didn't. And I thought Kyle Pitts might too. And Kyle Pitts just kind of like stopped, right? Like no one pushed Kyle Pitts up. He didn't really go down. He just kind of like lost all his buzz right around like the middle of August. Did you get that same feeling? Like, it just seems like, I know we talked about it. We had a great show about Kyle Pitts and it seems like a week after that, people just stopped being all over him, I guess. He didn't like latch on as that super duper rookie that I thought he would. I mean, I think round four is pretty high for a tight end. Yeah, where'd you think he was going to go, Nanda? Second round? Yeah, no, I, mean, I, really, I... I really did think that people were going to push him up to like like elite tight end status, like the closer we got to the start of the season. I, I mean, well, I if you still can think get Kittle in the third, tight end in the fourth. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that that's still pretty, you have to really believe in Kyle Pitts for him to be your fourth round pick. That's not a dude you just like kind of like. You see, you need to be pretty dedicated to him. I just think... Um, I think there are a lot of question marks about this Atlanta offense in general, which I think is part of why Mike Davidson go up. I think as well, why Kyle Pitts, while everyone is pretty excited about him, I, it just has kind of metered out. I think that people are just a little bit worried about seeing the Falcons without a Julio Jones, which we haven't seen in forever. You know, there are a lot of question marks there. So I, I get that. Um, but all of those things kind of point to like a good Kyle Pitts season so I you know I support Kyle Pitts in the fourth but I wouldn't have supported him much higher than that I don't know about Chris but to me that that sounded good I, I think they've kept the buzz uh these this last month down on, on Pitts you had you didn't see a ton of him in the preseason uh there hasn't been those uh puff piece uh all over uh Twitter and all these sites uh on him lately um you know I, I think uh this Sunday, we'll see the uh, the the Falcons unleash Kyle Pitts, and then you're going to hear a whole week next week of, oh, my God, why did we let Kyle Pitts fall into the, the late fourth or fifth rounds of drafts? Uh, kid's a freak, and uh, he's going to get targeted a ton in this offense. And that's what I was kind of – like, that's why I thought, like, people would have been – I don't know. It, it wasn't so much like me. It was more like I thought the crowds and the masses and, you know, the way people were writing about him and gushing about him would have just – he would become that hot name that got swept up into the third, but mm-hmm. didn't happen. Such okay. is life. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to some of these players. So two of us gave some players. Kyle Pitts was actually one of them. We could take him off the list now. Um, I just want to go through, you know, it's, it's we're in a weird spot where it's kind of like drafts are done. Um, you know, week one, like, what are you going to tell? Like, there are no buys. You have your entire team. You've been waiting for this forever. We can't really give you awesome advice. I mean, we, you know, we kind of know what defenses are going to be like, but we can't be like, this defense is going to be super weak because we haven't seen anything play yet. Um, so I figured we'd talk about some players that we like in the drafts, and it can help you with some advice for the rest of the season. You know what I've noticed real quick before we get into that? You're talking about, like, um, you know, uh, players, uh, you know, can't really give advice. Everyone's on a bye week one. Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott is now falling out of where he was always in that three to five range overall in every draft. I got him twice at eighth overall. I've, I've seen him go 10th overall, 11th overall in the high stakes market. People are getting scared off of, you know, Zach Martin has uh, COVID. They don't like this opening week matchup versus Tampa's, you know, dominant defensive line. It just seems like that's been a little bit of a fade now these last three, four nights in drafts that, 
uh, I don't know if it's a bad vibe. I don't know if, you know, everybody's just like, ah, I don't want to get off on the wrong foot and, and bet on this, you know, on Zeke having a bad opening week. Uh, I just been noticing that. I don't know if, you know, even Dak has been falling like an extra round in drafts. So that's just a quick draft trend, um, you know, of, of maybe teams or players that uh, opening week to be we- weary of is uh, Dallas's offensive players going into Tampa opening night. Because Tampa's had a week to prepare. Yeah, no, that's right. All right, let's go. Let's talk about. Some, let's talk about. <laughs> let's just start. With, I'm going to start with Brandon's because she was so kind as to fill out the sheet. Thank you, Brandon. Names. Uh, one of Brandon's. One of Brandon's favorites. By the way, Chris wrote a great piece about the late trends um, that he was seeing from NFFC and from a guy who's like been living and swimming and soaked in the high stakes leagues. I thought it was a really great piece. So thank you, Nando. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Informative. I would. I would even put it in must read territory. Because if you don't know the trends, then you know you're gonna miss out on some stuff. Yeah. All right, let's go. Ryan Tannehill, one of Brandon Marianne Lee's favorite players this season. Uh, Brandon, I assume it's because uh, Julio Jones in town. Well, yeah, but I, it's also because he never went up in ADP either. Like he stayed that like QB twelve the whole time, and he has top five QB potential coming out of every pore of his body, except for COVID. And I think that's why he didn't go up because he got COVID. But he's supposedly completely A-OK now. He was vaccinated. He said he, you know, he felt fine. So I feel good about it. Todd Downing is the, the new offensive coordinator there. But honestly, he did a lot of the game planning, red zone, and third down plays ahead of this anyway. So the loss of Arthur Smith, I don't think, is the end of the world. Um, and yeah, he has almost all the same pieces except for an addition of Julio Jones. So I don't see any reason why there would be a downhill slide at all. And and people are like, well, we're going to run with Derrick Henry. Well, yeah, that's what they did last year too. So I feel good about it. It's just fine. I loved when I waited for him and I had that patience. Sometimes I didn't in leagues. I'm not going to lie. But when I did, I always felt better about it every single time. And this week, it's a good one. I like that one a lot, um, Brandon. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to be all in on Tannehill. For whatever reason, he just goes later in drafts than he should. The COVID probably did scare drafters away this last week. Um, but did it? Like, I, like, I really? think it did because, I mean, to see him fall to like the 130s and 140s in NFFC drafts yeah. in this last 10 days – was because he was out of, you know, practice and everybody maybe thought, all right, well, if I draft him, is he going to be there week one? What's going to happen? So you were getting a nice two round discount on him. But, you know, I also wrote in my article this week, not only about Tannehill loving him, but I would skip that third tier of quarterbacks, the Rodgers, Brady's, Justin Herbert's of the world, just because of my love for the Tannehill's, Stafford's and Burrow's, which I guess I could nominate Stafford and Burrow here along with Brandon Tannehill as that nice tier that when you wait for on quarterback and you get those, Mm -hmm. these three guys, they're about the 11th, 12th, 13th quarterbacks off the board. I have no problem waiting and being one of the last one or two guys in my league this year, drafting a quarterback because I love all three of these guys. They're all in big time offenses. Uh, The Tannehill pluses their defense stinks. And sure, they're a run-first team with Derrick Henry, but they're going to get in a lot of games, a lot of game scripts where they're playing high-scoring games. They're going to have to throw. Tannehill will help you on the ground also. He's not a statue back there. And uh, the addition of Julio out there, if he could stay on the field this year and not be out of, you know, on the sidelines with those nagging injuries, him and A.J. Brown are a deadly combination. 
so yeah, uh, you know, Tannehill's a big time call. Yeah, seven rushing touchdowns last year. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, I wonder if it's just the, like the stench of how he was in Miami. I, I don't know if like people fully believe. You know what I mean? Like he's not the kind of guy you catch a rising star and he shoots up two or three rounds as drafts get closer. Yeah. I wonder if that's it, like that, just that stench of what he was yeah, in Miami. You know, maybe, like but it should be gone there. now. It should be gone. He's proven it the last couple of years here. It's, yeah, he was uh, fantastic you know, last year. I don't I think even that remember the real problem Miami is, Tannehill. There are just so many buzzy quarterbacks this year that he just didn't catch that that like shiny toy thing that that a lot of the other quarterbacks did. Right. So it's the Derrick and then, Henry thing. That's the number one reason why Tannehill is a value. And then right below him is the real shiny toys of Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Yeah. Right? So they, they, a lot of people were doing a little higher of a quarterback and then drafting one of those two, mm-hmm. right? To be like, oh, this I'm going to get that upside. Um, it, it was kind of like if you did Tannehill, you couldn't really do the other two because you'd have to take them basically back to back or even, even in the same round. Uh, and so I, I think that that might be it just because of that timing. But – um, yeah, I'm all over him. When when I waited for Ryan Tannehill, those were my favorite drafts. Yeah, and, and and Tannehill, and that's probably what you just said, one of the reasons why I loved waiting on that tier right there of the Tannehill, Staffords, and Burroughs is because I actually, in my drafts, would come right back and try and back any of those three guys up with Trey Lance or Justin Fields just to have that lotto ticket in my back pocket where as if those three guys as my starter early in the season – weren't producing like I think they will. Well, now I have Fields and Lance to, you know, maybe take my team to another level if and when they do get on the field and do blow up. So um, I, I just love that strategy, and I used it a lot in a lot of drafts this year. Could you imagine getting sniped on Ryan Tannehill? Like waiting that uh, long, be like, I get Tannehill, and then happened to me the other night. I, you you said it on Twitter, uh, Nando, if you remember that draft I posted where I actually drafted Fields and Trey Lance. Um, and I, I, I looked, there was 10 teams in my league that drafted quarterbacks. Um, me and a guy to the right of me didn't have a quarterback yet. I said, all right, I'll get, one of, I'll get either Tannehill or Burrow. Uh, the pick after me, when I passed and took a running back, he took Tannehill, and then he came back around and he took Burrow. <laughs> and it left me in no, and it left me in no man's land, and I said, "All right, well, I'm going to take Trey Lance here." And then I came back around and took Fields, and I said, "Okay, well, I think it's a really rare situation for drafters this year. Everybody wants to to get their hands on Fields or Lance." Well, I said, "You know what? Screw it. Let me get both of them. Have two lotto tickets, and then I'm just going to have to play, um, you know, with the back end quarterbacks for a little while." Um, to start the season, but now I have two lotto tickets in my back pocket, and that's just a you know that's a weird build, but I liked it at the end of it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let me throw a name out, Tyrod Taylor. No. I know it's it's not like he's not the guy you can wait for in these one quarterback leagues, but maybe like I just keep going back to this Houston offense and thinking <laughs> they're a little better than people give him credit for. Tyrod Taylor doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't throw interceptions. I think he got kind of like a bum rap with Cleveland. I mean, they, they kept him in the Hugh Jackson kept him in the game so long. Was it Hugh Jackson? Yeah, hurt his finger. Didn't really have you know came into the season hurt. I don't know. And anyway, like. He can run. He's he's an accurate enough passer who doesn't make mistakes. He's got some decent wide receivers. Kiki QT is one of the best route runners in the NFL. Um, and for a quarterback like that, it means a lot to a degree. I know he's 32. I don't like. I don't feel like it's going to be four games in. They're going to be like, all right, we're going to start Deshaun Watson now. Um, you know, it seems like he's the quarterback of this team. He's got four running backs, basically, and all of them are pretty adept pass catchers. Um I don't know. Like maybe this is more for super flex or two quarterback leagues. I just have a feeling that Tyrod Taylor is going to be that dude. Maybe not week one. Maybe week two after there's like a big game out of nowhere where everyone's like, "Should I pick up Tyrod Taylor and drop Matthew Stafford?" Is it, oh oh my god, what? Anyway, uh, I'm just saying I'm Stafford ignore has that couple, comment oh, oh. right there. But Sta- Stafford's I, I hurt. have to ignore it. No, I'm Stafford's sorry. Hurt. Well, he might have a listen, couple bad. So, all right. is this one of your guys that you're nominating? Is this your is this your first nomination? Is your guy Tyrod Taylor? Because last well, week's really. show we talked about how the Texans were your team, and then right out of the bat here, you actually nominate Tyrod Taylor as well, your. It's actually been a half, it's been a half hour. So well, not really I'm just saying. Day. Well, That's, it's fine. <laughs> But I just want to go on record as the Texans are your team. Tyrod Taylor is your fantasy quarterback. Is that correct? I didn't say that. I did not I say that. I think he did. Brandon, My fantasy did quarterback. I, did. I would, if I had to offer up someone for week one, I think I'd, uh, in your situation, uh, did you pick up Fitz Magic? No, I mean, I don't need to pick anybody up. At home against the Chargers. No, for, for Chris. With oh, the, for Chris. With the Fields, Lance. Oh, like, oh, who's who's sorry, your week one dude? So yeah. No, I, I'm good. No, I'm good. I, I thought know, we were talking listen, about Houston short, for that. I, I drafted – this is funny. I, I drafted Kirk Cousins um, in the 15th round of that same exact draft to be my starter. And then in the 20th round, the last round, I took Sam Darnold, who I still think is an absolute crime on He's going to be your best quarterback. Not, He's going to be the best Sam, one out of all four. I'm starting Sam Darnold week one, and Kirk Cousins has a really nice early season schedule. So right there, I'm going to you know rotate the two of them until either Fields or Lance takes over. So I'm set there. The quarterback that I won't put out there is Tyrod Taylor. All right. <laughs> I just feel, I, you know, I feel like it's everyone just dismisses him as a joke without looking a little deeper into what he's got and what he can do. I, listen, I, listen I, your, your points are valid. Yeah, and, and I think your points are valid, but it's been so long since we've seen him lead a football team for an extended period of time. It's just it's a lot of – I don't think there's anything there that, that proves one way or the other at this point because I consider all the information that we have expired. Mm. Like, I don't think it's relevant. So, uh, you know, uh, while, yes, I agree, he's definitely not someone that I would call like a gunslinger or anything, and he's not going to be turning over the ball. But for fantasy, that doesn't really do a whole lot. You know, you know, real quick, we're talking about quarterbacks and later round guys. And, um, you know, Tyrod Taylor, I haven't seen drafted in one 20 round league in NFFC 
ever all summer. Right. Which is why I contextualized him as yes. maybe week one or week two people. But I just want to throw out real the two guys that are in my head right now. No, I, I just said it. I, I really believe in Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold is going to surprise and be a top 15 quarterback in this offense with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and uh, Terrace, Mar- uh, Terrace Marshall. I think this is a high-scoring offense, and I think people are really sleeping on Darnold. I can't you know, pump that home enough. I think he should be a really upside QB, too. But the other quarterback I want to talk about is actually the guy that Nando, I'm shocked that you didn't talk about, is your quarterback because he doesn't get drafted anymore at all, where a month and a half, two months ago, he was like QB 14 or 15 that people liked was Danny Dimes. Daniel Jones, yeah. Daniel Jones does not get drafted anymore. If I go through all my high-stakes leagues that I've drafted in the last 10 days, he's the first quarterback sitting on the wire in all of them. Nobody wants Daniel Jones. So uh, I'm surprised he didn't get the nod for you. Well, I thought that I talked about him enough. Tyron Taylor was on my mind. Okay. <laughs> I also want to just put in a little Zach Wilson. Yes. That's fine by me, yeah. DVR, do you yeah. want to DVR, you want to bring up a quarterback? No, he, if he talks, it messes up the recording, actually. <laughs> he can slack me. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to uh let's go to you know, let's go to Michael Pittman. Actually, Brandon, that was one of yours. I'm intrigued oh. by Michael Pittman. I think, I think the one on my list too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Colts have to have a wide receiver, right? I'm 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 wondering why he still was a double round dude, double digit round dude. I, I don't I don't get it. I'm trying to understand. Like, guys, if T. Y. Hilton isn't there, who who are you afraid of that that is making you afraid of Michael Pittman? Does anyone have any answers? What is going on? Uh, I mean, I, 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 does anyone have anything bad to say about Michael Pittman? I'm trying to understand because every time I'm in a draft, he just falls to me. And, you know, you want to talk about guys that just like I keep drafting because I keep being shocked that he's there. I do not understand it. And I did want to say that, like, of course, last year was rough. But I think these second year breakouts are going to be unreal because last year you have to think about this. It was the most abnormal year for the NFL ever. And so anyone that was a rookie in this didn't have a preseason. They didn't get to even like be in the same room with half their coach. I mean, it was just, it was absolute insanity. And so now they're finally getting a real preseason. They're able to take this big leap. They, they took all these precautions. There's all this stuff going on. And I feel really good about a lot of these second year guys. And Pittman, again, I just don't think there's any competition here. I think that he is the guy, and he, I, I, who doesn't believe in Frank Reich? I, I don't understand that. Carson Wentz is the issue, I know, but he's coming back now too. I mean, that injury ended up not being dire, which is great. Now, are we worried about future injuries? Yeah, because we're all still a little bit, you know, hurt from all the Carson Wentz injuries of the past, and I understand that. But either way, they're still going to have to use someone, and he's the guy. So uh, I thought he was just a value all year. I was super surprised he didn't go up. Um, and, and yeah, I just have nothing. I'm trying to understand, other than, yes, of course, it was a scary season last year for all of these first-year dudes, but... I really feel like he's the guy, and I feel very good having him in my, you know. And a lot of them, he's not even my starter. He's on my bench. He's just a dude hanging out on my bench right now, just waiting for his breakout. So I'm excited. Chris, mm-hmm. Paris Campbell, is that a thing for you? Or like, like, Paris like Campbell, talking about what, who are we afraid of? Paris Campbell is my most owned wide receiver through the 
first 10 days of high stakes drafts and Michael Pittman might be my second. Michael, Whoa, Michael really? Pittman might be my, I I'm, I'm so all in on both of these guys that they, I target them in, in both, um, you know, Pittman's on the rise. Pittman's just flying up the board, understandably. Um, you know, you have to take him around 75, 80th overall now in high stakes drafts. Um, you know, everybody's, everybody's in on him. Um, I was getting him at great value though, about a week or two ago. It, it's, I don't, think T.Y. Hilton's playing this year, okay? That they, they put him on the IR and they want to say what they want to say and, oh, it's only three weeks and everybody's still maybe cautious thinking, okay, well, Hilton will be back week four and then what happens in this? Op- Listen, he had disc surgery. He's a football player. He's getting up there in age. He, I don't. I think he's done. I thought he was done coming into this year, which was my reasoning for drafting Pittman all summer long at where he was going. Now you have to pay a little bit of a price on him. I still think he's worth it. I still think, uh, you know, I, I think he, I know I, I was just going to say, I think he's the future number one of the Colts. No, I think the future is now. I think he is the uh, number one in Indy and he's a legit number one. So a uh, ton of shares of Pittman, love him as my four. Uh, sometimes I even have him as my five and Campbell as my six. Um, I think Paris Campbell is going to be a PPR monster this year. I think 80 plus catches. And when you can get him where he's going on the board right now, about 130 to 150th overall, every single draft, Paris Campbell's mine. Um, so I love both Colts receivers this year. So about Melvin Gordon, he's one of my five. And mm-hmm. uh, I know Javante Williams, the hot name. Everyone likes him. I was going back, like Melvin Gordon actually had a good year last year and nothing mm-hmm. changed in Denver. You know what I mean? Pat Shermer's still there. And if you go back through Pat Shermer's history, um, I don't know. Like he, 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 Trent Richardson's rookie year, he was amazing. I mean, I mean, he had twelve touchdowns, thousand yard season. Go through Pat Shermer, like it's just like spot of like just thousand yards, thousand yards, thousand fourteen hundred yards, fifteen hundred yards. I just feel like Melvin Gordon's. You know, we see these rookies. Javante Williams might not be able to block. Who knows? Yeah, Melvin Gordon wasn't bad last year. Casey mm-hmm. Joyner has written some good things about Denver. Um, I think their offensive line blocking schemes. Uh, you should should cause you to bump up Gordon a little bit too. Um, Bowling man, I mean, he was he was targeted forty four times, had over a thousand yards, had over eleven hundred yards from scrimmage, scored ten times. He's only twenty eight. Like I just yeah. don't see. Like I get why Javante Williams come in and do some stuff, but I just don't see why that would cause people to not like Melvin Gordon. Yeah, uh, at all. And that's why he's fallen to me so much. So I love that you brought up this guy's name, um, Nando. And I want to make two comparisons real quick. It's similar when we get a big time rookie running back come into the league and into an offense like Javante Williams. And then I'm also going to talk about Trey Sermon. Everybody starts to fade the starter the the, you know, the veteran that's in front of them. Yep. And I, you know, in the last week and a half of drafts, uh, Melvin Gordon has found his way onto my team in about half of them as my RB3 and in a couple as my RB4. And I just started to fall in love with it because it's like, you know what, let's fade the public a little bit. Nobody wants Gordon. But you know what? At that point of the draft where he goes, Melvin Gordon comes off the board in high stakes drafts about 95 to 115 overall. In that range, when you're looking at you know, the usual suspects at running back. And then you look and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I could get an actual starting running back here that nobody likes. 
that I don't need him to be a superstar, but if he's giving me 12 to 15 carries a game and a couple catches and, and I could throw him in there on weeks I need, or if maybe in early in the season, he's taken like a real, um, you know, step forward in the driver's seat and Javante Williams as a rookie comes along slow, no matter the hype and what they're saying about the kid, um, you know, give me that all day where he is on the board as my three or four. So I love the Melvin Gordon pick now in drafts the same way. I love the Raheem Mozart uh, pick in drafts right now Yeah, in that same 90 to 110 range. Give me these two guys. Maybe I have a, I get a great September, early October out of both of them while Sermon and Javante Williams, everybody wants to get their hands on them for the upside, but maybe they're taking a step back the first couple months of the season. So it's a great call by you. And I have two words for you and it is, DeMarco Murray. And I want to bring you guys back to 2016 (laughs) when Derrick Henry was drafted and all eyes from above came down to say, he's going to be it. He is amazing. And guess what? He is amazing. That didn't take anything away from Derrick Henry, but they stuck with their veteran guy who was still getting it done. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that Raheem Mostert or Melvin Gordon, although Melvin Gordon, depending on the year, was pretty close, is DeMarco Murray. But DeMarco Murray was on the decline, but he was still a strong back. And they worked in Derrick Henry. And everyone drafted Derrick Henry like he was going to be the next coming. And guess what? He is. That that was true, but it wasn't for that year. So um, if you looked at the preseason, Melvin Gordon looked really good this preseason. he didn't look like he'd lost a step. And uh, so did Mozart, Brandon, right? I yeah. mean, oh my God. I don't see I thought I thought Mozart would definitely move up the boards once everybody watched that game, uh, that third preseason game. Yeah, so I just, I, it doesn't mean that we're not, that we're against these rookies. That's not it. It's just, how are they going to be used this year? And I don't see anything that's saying, for sure, Trey Sermon and Williams are going to be out there, for sure, making all these fantasy points. I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing more of a DeMarco Murray situation that's going to upset everybody. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I'm seeing. And it does happen, even to Derrick Henry, who's one of the best running backs that has played in the game over the last 10 years, right? It happened to him, too. But even if, even if you know, these rookies start to take over the backfield, if they're in, if these two running backs in particular, Gordon and Mozart, are in 60-40, the better half of 60-40 splits, I, maybe I don't love them as running backs this year, but for where they're going on the draft board and in drafts, it's a solid pick. You know, you don't have to rely on them as your RB one or two. You're getting them as your three or four. They're in the, the better half of a timeshare. They're on good teams and good run offenses. It's the right pick. Yep. I, cur- I, agree. I agree. Sorry. I thought you were going to keep going with that, but yeah, no, no, I didn't want to keep talking forever. He, was, I mean, he averaged 4.6 yards per carry last year, 10 touchdowns under the Shermer system. That's all, you know, like, why mess with a good thing? Yeah. With Philip Lindsay there. Yeah. It's not like he was alone. Right. Yeah, and I mean, so, this yeah. is a two-man backfield, both of them. That's how it's always I, been. I mean, yeah. it's not like a three-man backfield, which is always annoying. But, I mean, you know, even Mike Boone is on IR. I, I was like, all right. I'm, I early, Two months ago, I was like, I don't want Melvin Gordon at all. Because, you know, they brought in Mike Boone, who, who the GM loves him. Uh, they drafted Javante Williams. Gordon might get cut. But now, you know what? We get to September. Boone's on IR. It's a two-man backfield. They obviously aren't moving on from Melvin Gordon and cutting him, which everybody was scared of. And I think maybe the market never really you know, re- repriced Gordon on the draft board after 
being so far down on the board. And that's what I always look for now. I, I think mm-hmm. there's a handful of players that once they get their spot on the draft board in July and early August, mm, people don't reprice it. You know, um, I'm going to throw out this guy, uh, you know, to move away from the running backs. Real quick. DJ Chark. DJ Chark, DJ Chark isn't being repriced the right way again, in my opinion. Um, You know, he was going in the the 50s and 60s in July. Everybody loved him. He's the the alpha receiver there. He breaks his finger. Bad news starts coming along a little bit on him. LaVisca Chenault becomes the hot name. He moves up the board to the 60s now where people – falling all over themselves at the draft tables in New York, trying to get their hands on LaVisca and DJ Chalk's just sitting there around a hundred overall. And then what's going to happen? Maybe the season starts and Chark is banging out wide receiver one numbers. And everybody's like, well, whoa, whoa, we forgot about him. Cause that broken finger, like he never got repriced. Everybody just left him there at a hundred overall. Yeah. I, and I, I think that's what's happening with Pittman too. I think that no one repriced once Carson Wentz news became positive. Yeah. I think that everyone's like, oh, well, I'm still a little nervous. Why? Yeah, you know, like, back. why would they be playing him in the preseason to risk it at this point? I mean, yeah, it's it's a great point, Brandon. And you know what? Let's throw out another cult, Jonathan Taylor. I noticed, like, nobody wants Jonathan Taylor in the first round all of a sudden now. And I'm all in. And you know, Jonathan Taylor was going fifth overall to eighth overall for the last couple months up until uh, that news hit right, with Wentz and Quentin Nelson. And then the second round slide came, and he started making it to the middle of the second. Well, what happened? All of a sudden, Nelson and Wentz are back. Everything's back to normal like it was a month and a half, two months ago when um, he was going fifth through seventh overall, but nobody repriced him. And now nobody knows, like, all right, do I keep him at the back end of the first round? Does he go in the – he lasted till 14th overall last night in my high-stakes draft. And if I was at the turn, unfortunately I wasn't. I was in the front end. I mean, I would have been dancing all over the all over the streets. Fourteenth overall, like uh, I, I just think that people don't reprice when when things go back to normal. Well, I think people might also have a little chark. Like chark just keeps getting hurt. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know, Jonathan Taylor, I don't get. Like, Jonathan Taylor should have had a little more helium, I guess, or at least stayed up in that first round. Because, I mean, you know, what has he done wrong? Nothing. And no no one's worrying about Marlon Mack. You know, I mean, Marlon Mack's coming back. No one's even talking about him. But uh, yeah, I mean, plus the Colts announced their depth chart yesterday, and Mack is the third back. I, I mean, yeah, but he oh, hides. you know, take whatever stock you want in that. But you know, this is a, the Jonathan Taylor show with some Naheem Hines mixed in on third down. So um, I, I don't think Mack plays a factor. Well, the point was like Taylor has really done nothing wrong and, and stalled out. Mm-hmm. But like Chark, I get it. Like I even I'm kind of like. He's going to play 11 games, right? Like, are going to get hurt? What's, like, the next injury? So mm, Okay. So you think it's an injury issue that's keeping him down? Yeah. Because we can, we, can yeah. we can make that argument for anybody in terms of, uh, you know, will he play 16 games, 17 games? You never know. 
I mean, it was a bro. He had some issues last year. Sure. The team was a complete disaster, but we're really going to fault them this year for breaking a finger. I'm just, I'm, Hey, I'm telling you what I think is happening here. That's all. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't think broken fingers are recurring injuries. No, <laughs> but I mean, he's so, had, he's I mean, had a that's the good things. news. Yeah, no, he just, and sometimes you just, listen, in the non-scientific emotional aspect of playing fantasy sports, every once in a while someone gives you kind of the, you know, and you're like, oh, I just can't do it, you know, and and every year you're just like, I'm not going to draft that person. They just, there's something, they just keep getting hurt or something mm-hmm. doesn't really quite work out for them or whatever. You know, it's kind of like every time I see Joe Mixon in my draft, I just, I'm like, like, is he ever going to? meet expectations like ever is that ever a thing i, I don't know I, you know every uh, you know there could be all the signs pointing to it but every once in a while it's an unscientific you know it is but you're like i just can't do that i can't and and i, I it's intriguing and that might be dj shark for you and he's so far down there that there's a lot of other options so you don't have to take him um i was in a draft that was 15 rounds and uh um no, it was 16 rounds, and he never got he never even got drafted. Whoa. Wow. In a 12-team league? Uh, yeah. DJ Chark? Yeah, because I ended up picking him up because I drafted Michael Thomas and put him on IR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't even get drafted. I mean, you know, because I, just people love so wait, DJ decided Chark not even to try. DJ Chark didn't get drafted didn't in, get in drafted. a draft where 180 players... 180 players, and he was Plus, not on there. Wow. Now, this is a league where they draft a, I mean, this is a, this is a home league, but they're good. Um, and this is a league where people really go, um, there's a tight end bonus, so people really go tight end deep. Mm. So sometimes wide receivers get bumped a little bit, but still, that is how insecure people are. Mm. And like you said, Levinsky Chenault, you can't, you can't get away from his love. His love fills the room. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that's part of it, too, is that everyone loves him. So there's no room for the DJ Shark love. Um, but, you know, I'm sure at some point we'll sing the the Baby Shark song to the DJ Shark name at some point this year. But um, as of right now, yeah, I mean, go look, especially if you're in a league that has a short bench. Like you're only you only maybe did like 15 or like even like 14, 13 spots depending on the the weird kind of leagues out there. I'm just saying, he's that far down. He is that far down. You know, uh, let me ask you this. And I think this might be the problem is they just get pushed down and squeezed out. Like, would you rather have DJ Chark or Henry Ruggs or Jalen Rago or, or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like he's in that little round 9, 10, 11, 12 area where it's just like, yeah, he can go in the ninth round. He could just not go at all because you could be like, oh, I'd just rather have Ruggs. I like Ruggs' upside better, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just there's too many other people there that you probably really like. Who would you rather Sometimes have? Sometimes there's Pittman there. Sometimes there's even uh, – I was in a league where, where Brandon Cooks went in like the ninth round. Something like that. I mean, it was like, what? So these wide receiver ones or almost twos, depending on what's going on with the Chenault, DJ Shark situation, um, if they're on teams that don't have hot offenses, sometimes they drop really low. It depends. And not everyone, and that's, you know, the, obviously we have the car here, so high stakes, and that's amazing. But a lot of you guys just drafted in home leagues this week because this is when a lot of those home leagues are drafting, right, or your work league or whatever. And you were probably like, oh, yeah, DJ Shark's on my, my waivers right now because a lot of these, like, meh teams – People don't even look at them. They're like, oh, no. And then they're looking at the past and whatever else. And this is where you can really exploit and just win some money from your office mates. Go get it. 
Tell you what, I want to tiptoe around this one, but CBS crashed hard last night. I feel like we weren't doing our job and bring this up because I was in two drafts at the same time when it crashed. And Vicaro, you were in one, you said. And I'm just, I'm wondering, like, because you, you said something before the show about it. Like, you were trying to, or some, maybe your league mates were trying to flip it into a slow draft. Like, we're just, we're just going to yeah. go again tonight. Well, so it was it was a complete disaster, and you know we were in the fourth round, and then everybody started dropping off. the The site crashed. Everybody kept waiting. Like, all right, let's pick it up an hour from now. Maybe the site will come back. We took that until like midnight. Then everybody just threw the towel in, and then uh, you know we all left off last night. This is a very high uh, private league, high dollar league, so it wasn't like all right, who cares, whatever. So. Uh, they said, hey, let's start 8 a.m. tomorrow morning with a rolling clock through email. Um, and just everybody has to enter, you know, a pick and then start the draft over, depending on how far we get into it at eight o'clock tonight to resume. So maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe we get through another two two pick, uh, two rounds of picks through email with the whole league on it. But uh, I'm just looking at emails. Uh, you know, the commissioner decided to set the league up now on ESPN to try and finish it tonight. So now I guess it flips to ESPN. Um, I don't know. It's one of those disaster things. This isn't the first time that that's happened for CBS. Though. It's happened I last year, you, I think. It's happened last year. I think I want to say it happened the last couple years in a row where the last couple nights before drafts, uh, before the season starts, when everyone's doing their fantasy drafts, there's a problem on CBS. And this is a problem they're going to have to look into going forward. Because uh, this is now a disaster. I uh, we jumped over to ESPN. I was like, I'm like, all right, like this is this is gonna last all night. I can just feel it. So we jumped mm-hmm. over to ESPN to try and set up a draft. And I guess you got to do an hour ahead of time set the draft order. Because every time I'd set it up, I'm like, hold on, guys, now I got to revert it because it it automatic like it automated the draft order. And I kept trying to change it and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And we were so close, like we had everything. And I was just about to like reassign teams' emails. Um, and then it's like. All right, now the draft's gonna start at ten thirty, and like we got like we got a chef in the league who had to get up early, and we had to do draft from Japan, and we're just like, what? It, man, we'll just do it tomorrow. We'll just do it tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, it's it really messes things up because people have drafts the next night, people are too busy. It's tough to get all twelve people locked in for a draft time and date, and and it's uh, very inconvenient. I think next year either we're gonna do it two weeks ahead of time, or we're just gonna do, I'm gonna do slow draft. And say we're, we're doing can't a slow do draft. that. You can't do that. Well, I mean, I don't know how serious screwed. of a league it is, but you you can't draft the two weeks before and take it serious. It's too much happens before it. It's yeah. They, there's it, a waiver. That's no okay. Right? Oh, there's fat. I, I, we have fat. Yeah. Okay. I prefer. Well, I'll say this: I hate slow drafts, and I do not do them anymore unless they're like two specific leagues. I'm really against them. I feel like I have no focus. Uh, it, you get a draft pick in the middle of the night and then you, you're, you're like, oh gosh, and oh, I got a winner. And then like half the people are like in, you know, five minutes or less and the other half people are like taking their full six hours. Mm-hmm. It's just the most aggravating. It just doesn't have the same spirit. Maybe I'm alone on this, but I love the last week and a half, two weeks before the season where I'm just drafting every night. I know what I'm doing. I'm having a good time. There are actual people there on Zoom that I'm talking to or in a room back in the day. You know, we all used to be in rooms together. Uh, You know, and that is just, it's so great. And I I love that aspect of, of fantasy sports. And you only get it one time a year. 
you know, the rest of the time you're on your computer. Yeah. And that's fine. I'm, I'm down. Like, that's, that's great. But like, ah, oh, it's just so great to actually take time and focus and truly build the team because I'm not walking around my life with my roster and my notes and everything. And if I'm in the middle of something and I have to make a draft pick and I'm just like, oh gosh, how many wide receivers do I have again? And I just, I never like those teams as much. Maybe I'm alone. I know a lot of people love this and they have like 10 drafts going at a time. But man, if you are not attached to your computer for your job, it is hard to maintain that. Maybe Chris is the same way because he works in the restaurant industry. It's like, I mean... I'm not, I I can't just jump sometimes, you know, to do it. And then I make a mistake and I don't know, that's me just whining and I apologize. But the good news is that this last week and a half for me has been rejuvenating because I've been able to really draft and do it the way that I like, that I think is most effective, most fun, spirit of the game. And I just want to say cheers. That's all. Just cheers. That's it. Let's do it. Real people. It's so fun. Um, You guys want to call it a show? Sure. Ending on my rant? No. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, no, now I, really I feel like terrible. No, I think that was a, a beautiful, succinct way to do it. Aww. By the way, well, for those, it has been a good week. Brandon's other players were James Robinson, Marquez Callaway, and Mark Andrews. So, get on them. Vicaros. Who are yours, know. Nando? That's what I want to know. Who, who, are, who are the rest of yours? It was Marquise Brown and Calvin Ridley with my other two. Calvin Ridley. I mean, I've been reaching for Calvin. Oh, Ridley. all right. I, I guess. Uh, yeah, all right. I, I forgot that we were actually. It was just who you have on somebody your high teams. up. Okay, yeah. I thought it was like you know sleepers or not sleepers, but you've created this um, world where there are all these rules for five players you like, and it's no. Really I just thought it was five players show. that we're into, like you know, like a little deeper, not like early round guys. Where I'm like, who are you into? Oh, McCaffrey. You know, I, that's why I said that with Ridley. But, you, but yeah, it could be I, somebody that you're really into that, like if. Ridley was there at the end of the first round. Like you would take Ridley in that, you know, there. <laughs> this actually reminds me of in my draft last night where we were all in Zoom doing whatever. Um, I was sitting there and I was thinking and, and I can't even remember which pick this was. But um, I ended up taking um, the player and then this guy unmutes. I don't even really know him very well. And he goes, there's nothing like someone taking an excess amount of time to take the top option from the draft list and he just like stared at me because I took like the highest ranked dude and I was like dang that's smack talk and that that's exactly what this is it's like I guess Nando does get a first and second round pick so I guess Calvin Ridley is an option (laughs) so (laughs) otherwise there's no way because he'd be going for Wayne Gallman would be like one of the better ones we would have heard Tavon Austin on this show if uh, he wasn't on IR. <laughs> Only for three weeks. Only for three mm-hmm. weeks, friend. Yep, we have three weeks before we hear his name again on the show. Mia O'Brien you know agrees with me. There's going to be a 25-point game from Tavon Austin, I'm hoping for you. Oh, God. And, I, please, and I, please the victory lab will be disgusting. Please hope that doesn't happen. I'm not a victory lab. We're on to the next one. That's how I roll. Mm-hmm. You know me better well, But if, if he gets that, I'll, I'll personally say, Nando, Take the floor. I, I personally will too. Yeah. <laughs> I personally will too. And as much crap as I give Nando, his calls this year in baseball were pretty phenomenal for the, um, you know, his deep league, uh, you know, for the deep, deep players that he's uh, picked out. They've he's had a pretty high success rate. We won't mention Jose De Leon, right, Nando? But uh, I mean, you know, other yeah, than that, yeah, all the other ones did. have been pretty good. Yeah, thanks yeah. for the. Uh, thank you so much, Chris. <laughs> well, if I throw roses at you, I still have to throw a thorn. You know, a couple thorns at you. 
Uh, seems like they get a lot of thorns. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, all right. Now, on that note, friend, <laughs> friends, <laughs> let's finish. Yep. Let's finish this up and let people get back to uh, staring at their teams and asking Jake Seeley uh, trade questions before week one. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Best of luck to you as uh, week one commences. Come back next week. We'll have uh, hopefully a much more clearer topic for Chris Vaccaro to participate in. Um, <laughs> otherwise, have fun. We'll have real football. Yeah, real football. We'll have numbers. Good luck. Ooh. Godspeed. Uh, may you all come back as one or no teams. And we'll talk to you later. Bye.